In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. Can I hear an amen? Three times the word word is used in that sentence. And obviously it's referring to who? Jesus. We're going to look at this this morning and see how... It's, it seems like an awkward... Strange way to start a gospel, doesn't it? Sort of John just jumps straight in here with this sort of obscure sentence. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Sounds like a bit of a rap, doesn't it? And, um, but it's pointing to Jesus. And we're going to unpack this a bit this morning and just see how it actually reflects a lot upon our life and the whole meaning of why the Word became flesh. Logos is the word that is used in the original text. And it basically means this, to lay out a thought, topic, reasoning, motive, or expression. So words express a thought, don't they? They reveal a motive or a concept. Let me say this. Words are not the sum of a number of letters, nor is a sentence the total sum of a number of words. I want to say that again, just in case you've missed it. Words are not the sum of a number of letters, nor is a sentence the total sum of a number of words. The whole purpose of letters, words, sentences, symbols, pictures is actually a tool to convey a message. Is that right? Whether it's written or spoken, words share ideas, they share principles, they share concepts. It's a form of communication. It expresses one thought to another. And the way we do that, obviously, uh, it varies in different contexts and situations. Also, culturally, it changes in the way those ideas and thoughts and, and expressions are, are, are conveyed. But words on their own, if they're taken outside of a relationship, can often be misinterpreted, can't they? If we take them out of the context of a relationship, words that are spoken or words that are read that have been written down, will just convey knowledge and information. And so when we look at the Word, the Bible, we also see this come to play. Outside of a relationship of Jesus and with Jesus, the Bible merely becomes what? It can almost become like a novel. It can almost become like a history book. Or something we read just for the sake of gaining knowledge and information. And unfortunately, that's how many people read the Bible. They come to the Bible to gain information. They come to the Bible just to, to get knowledge. There are many who don't believe in, in Jesus and yet um, find the Bible very interesting. I remember a few weeks ago, Jamie was sharing on this. Was that here or in Brazil? Probably in Brazil. So you guys wouldn't have heard it, how he devoured the Bible just for knowledge's sake. But in the end, it did nothing for him in his life. And so words, we have to see them as important, yes. 
But we have to see them in the context of a relationship, especially the Word of God. Even the way words are spoken can change what is meant by a statement. What do I mean by that? All right, let's look at this. Wow, you look good today. Now we can say that in a number of ways, okay? I could look at my wife and say, wow, you look good today. Okay? And that's expressing something that's in my heart. That's expressing a message to my wife. I could look at someone like Jamie and go, wow, you look good today. Exactly the same words. Five words, 19 letters, one sentence. But who believed I said the same thing? One was, there was an element of saying something that was heartfelt. And you could see that it was something that was true to me. The other way I said, even though I said the same words, was in a context of cynicism. It was a cynical statement. So in other words, saying, wow, you look good, was actually saying, man, you need to sharpen up a bit. All right? Now, I'm only using that. You look pretty good today, mate. But can, can you see what I'm saying? If we just read those words like we do up on the screen, we take in a certain message. When you hear it in the context of a relationship, it can often take on different meanings. Who's ever tried to use social media as a way of conveying a thought? And who has often got themselves in trouble because what they thought they said was not received the way they thought they said it? Okay? Point in hand. We need to be careful how we express words. And when we look at it, in the context of what we're sharing today, we see that in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So very quickly you see three things just in this one statement. First, in the beginning, there's a concept of time. Okay? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. That brings to us the context of relationship. And the Word was God, which brings us the context of identity. And so in this context, we see that Jesus, the Word, was there with Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. And the actual act of rebelling against God corrupted these three things. It corrupted time, it corrupted uh, our identity, and it corrupted our relationship. And so we see here that the word Jesus Christ was not actually a written word at the beginning. It, he was a person. But because of corruption that whole relationship was broken. We see that time 
was no longer unlimited. And God said to Adam, you shall die and return to the earth instead of being eternal like he was created to be. He cast them out of the garden. He broke relationship with them because of rebellion. Man's access to God was severed. The relationship broke down. And we see the deterioration of man and culture and community from that time forward. Right up until the flood where God just had enough and said, this is doing my head in. We're going to get rid of mankind. You can read all about that in Genesis 6 and 7. And now his man's identity was broken. He now no longer saw himself as God saw him, but he started to identify with who he thought he was and his surroundings and other people's opinions of them. So from that time forward until the birth of Christ, the concept of the word was no longer through relationship, but through written and spoken words. And when you know that once people convey messages in that, in that sense, people will manipulate it, people will misinterpret it, why? Because it is outside a relationship with the author of those words. I hope you're hearing what I'm saying this morning because it's important to realize as we relate not only to Jesus but to his written word that it is actually through the relationship we have with Christ. And so these words that have been written down are subject to corruption, manipulation, misinterpretation, what was given as divine grace through the prophets and through the revelation that was given to them was then manipulated and used for the purposes of sinful man. And we see that at the time of the birth of Christ. We're going to look at that a little bit more in a moment. Let's jump to John 1, 14. And so what happened at the birth of Christ? The Word became flesh. You want to read that with me? The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have all seen his glory, the glory of the one and only, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. You see, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Okay, If your Bible says the Word was a God, can I get you to bring it up here, because I'll burn it, because it's not a translation that we adhere to. Okay, He was not a God. He was God. Definitive, capital G, God. And because of that broken relationship, the Word needed to become flesh. You see, there is hope. Where man has taken the word of God, the written word of God, corrupted it, used it for his own purposes in many ways, there is hope, and that hope came when the word became flesh. And we might think that was 2,000 years ago, but actually it is in our own context, even in our life today. 
Because if we take the Bible outside of a relationship with Christ, then we are going to misinterpret it. We are going to misunderstand it. And we are going to be subject to other people's misinterpretation of it. But we need to know who is the Word. And we know it is Jesus Christ. He was made flesh. He became flesh in the way of a helpless infant. Born of divine nature, grew up and lived his life as an example for us so that we no longer necessarily just rely on the Word to show us how to live, but we see it in the nature of Christ, how we ought to live. And through his cruel death and burial and resurrection, we see that what was broken in the Garden of Eden has now been restored. Amen. So that no longer is our time limited, but we are, again, eternal beings. No longer is our relationship broken. We have now entered a new covenant relationship with Christ and with our Father. And our true identity is no longer shattered, but our true nature, our godly nature, has been restored. How? Through the Word. Yes, we learn about these things through the written Word, but it is through the relationship with the Word, Jesus Christ, that these things actually come to pass. That is why the Word became flesh. And what made His dwelling among us? Not impersonal, not far away, but among us. The Word is no longer a bunch of letters, words and sentences conveying laws, rules and principles. The Word now is a personality and the revelation of Jesus in our life through a relationship with Him transforms our thinking and reveals our true nature. You see, we can get an idea of who we are through reading the Bible. And it is a very important part of our walk with Christ. But until we have that relationship, there is still something missing. And I want to challenge you this morning. If you are reading the Bible and it's not making much sense to you, or, or you just got this feeling that it's not in any way relating to you in your life, then I want to really challenge you to sit back and reflect upon your relationship with Christ. You might have, through a prayer, accepted Christ in your life, but that's not the end. That's actually the beginning, isn't it? And we often need to sit and reflect upon what that relationship means. Because often we can say, oh yeah, I've prayed the sinner's prayer, I'm going to heaven. And that's good, but salvation is never about a passport into heaven. Salvation is about the restoration of our body, our mind and our soul to the author of life. And we have to see how... The, the, the living word, the revealed word of Jesus Christ is actually a part of who we are. Otherwise, we just gain knowledge. 
Otherwise, you know, yes, we can, we can quote Scripture. And yes, you know, we can, we can give wonderful exposition, uh, exposition on, on doctrine and all that thing. But that's just information and knowledge. And what did I say? Information and knowledge is good for what? If it's not applied, if it's not revealed in our life through a relationship, then it really has no meaning at all. The Proverbs tell us that the beginning of knowledge is what? The fear of the Lord. We could spend another whole half hour, hour on that. But it's talking about relationship. To know and understand and revere and honour the Lord and to know that the creator of heaven and earth who he truly is this is the beginning of knowledge it's not the fact that we can quote John 3.16 although it's good to know it it's not the fact that we can quote John 1.1 but it is good to know it is that relationship that revealed word of Jesus Christ in our life will transform us and give us purpose. Amen. This is what Paul says in Romans 8.3. For what the law, okay, I've added this in, the written word, was powerless to do. What the law, the written word, was powerless to do in that it was weakened by the sinful nature. Remember I said it was taken by man and manipulated and, and used for their own purpose. God did by sending his own son the revealed word in the likeness of sinful man. Let's keep going in John 1.16. This is from the Amplified Version. For out of his fullness, abundance, we have all received. Say all. All had a share and we were all supplied with. Say all. One grace after another and spiritual blessing upon spiritual blessing and even favor upon favor and gift heaped upon gift. Who's included in all? All. See, Christianity is not an exclusive faith. It's very much inclusive. God is not trying to keep people out, amen? God is not trying to make it hard. It is very inclusive. And this morning... You can be receiving all of that, all of that abundance, all of that grace, all of the spiritual blessing, all of the blessings and favors and gifts. Another version puts it like this. Out of his fullness, we have all received grace in place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came 
through Jesus Christ. Grace replaced grace. I looked at this and I went, hang on a sec. Grace replaced grace. And I was asking the Lord about this and he said, well, just keep reading. And you see this unpacked in verse 17. It says, for the law was given to Moses. And so for me, I know I wasn't very good at comprehension in high school, but for me that says that the first grace was actually the written word of the law. See, often we think that God changed his mind when Christ died and that before Christ died, he was just an angry person, uh, an angry God making life hard for everyone. Uh, and then all of a sudden he flipped when Jesus died and all of a sudden he became a loving God and um, you know everything's fine. But God's no nature never changed, did it? He was actually as gracious as he was before the death of Christ as he is now after the death of Christ. And so in giving the law to Moses, it was actually an act of grace. Let that one sink in for a moment. Because John is saying here, for the law was given through Moses, referring to his previous statement, that grace was given in place of grace already given. Let's think about this for a moment. Through the mind of a corrupt person, the law, with all its rules and statutes, is relegated to a bunch of do and do not, should and should not, yes and no. But when the law is read in that context, it's actually from a foundation of pride. Pride that says, yes, I can keep the law. Yes, I can do this. Yes, look at me. Look at you, you dirty, rotten sinner. Look at me, I'm better. This is what the law is relegated to in the mind of sinful men. But when we see, and let me refer to a scripture that Jesus talks about in Luke 18, about when two men come to the temple. One of them stands up and says, Lord... Look at me, I'm glad I'm not like those people over there. I keep the commandments and I pay a tenth of my, my tithes. And then the other bloke sort of stands there, beats his chest and says, Lord, I'm not even worthy to be here, I'm a sinner. Who is more justified? The one that sees the law as a set of rules or the one that sees the law and realises how much they need a saviour. When we can read the written word through the eyes of grace, we see that God's intent was to provide a way for men to see their need of salvation. The law was a schoolmaster pointing us to Jesus and we know that all that the law required was fulfilled at the death, burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Here is my question. Why do we educate ourselves? Why do we educate our children? Is it to give them knowledge and information so that they can sit down at the end of the year and pass a test? 
Is that the whole purpose of education? And I would say no. That is not the purpose of education. What is the purpose of education? I mean, because when we look at education, it's just a bunch of rules and principles, isn't it? You learn science, what's that? Bunch of rules, law of gravity, law of aerodynamics, thermodynamics, a law that you put your finger in a, in a Bunsen burner, it's going to get a bit hot, whoever tried that. <laughs> okay. Mathematics, bunch of rules, isn't it? Pythagoras and... Hey. He loves mathematics. Hey. It's all based on rules and principles, isn't it? Even English, grammar, language, there's principles, rules, I before E except after C. Who remembers that one? <laughs> Old school. I don't know if they still teach that. It's not always true, but... That's the rule we learn. See, education can be boiled down to a set of rules and principles that if they're applied in the correct manner, we can pass a test. But we've got to see education as much more than that. Education is about giving us the equipment to live a purpose and contribute to a cause. When we educate ourselves in the Word of God... It's not about passing a test, but it's about equipping ourselves for a purpose in life and contributing to a greater cause. Remember what I said, if we have the right tools in our tool shed, then Holy Spirit can utilize them for the benefit of all. The law no longer gets relegated to a set of right and wrong, must and must nots. Because outside of the context of relationship with the revealed word, Jesus Christ, this is what the Bible can become. Let me finish with this. I tell you the truth. Until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. The written word is still very much an important part of our life. But I want to encourage you. It is actually meant to be read and understood in the concept of a relationship with Jesus Christ. In saying that everything of the written word will only ever make sense when we see it as the word that became flesh. And so the challenge this morning, and I want to ask for us to reflect upon this this morning, and as we go from church today, is this. Do we look at our Christian faith as a matter of ticking boxes? As a matter of looking at the Word of God, at the Bible, and saying, yep, I'm doing that, no, I'm not doing that, far out, I better sh pick myself up. 
Yes, I'm good at that. Oh, far out. I don't know how to do that. I better repent. I better study more. If that's our Christian faith, then ask Holy Spirit for help. Ask Holy Spirit to come and breathe new life into your faith. Where no longer is the law about right and wrong, it's about providing us with the necessary equipment to do life. Because I don't know about you, but I look at the Bible and I look at the principles and the rules and I, I fall short. And I think we all fall short, don't we? Of the glorious nature of Jesus Christ. But when we know who we are, our true identity is found in Christ, the revealed word, then we can start to allow our minds to be transformed. And that from day to day, we go from glory to glory. As different things about God's nature and God's purpose for us is revealed to us through Christ. So let's stand, shall we, as we finish tonight, today. Tonight I'm getting ahead of myself. I'm still in Brazil. Let's take an honest assessment of ourselves right now. Take an honest assessment of our faith and where we are at right now. Is our hope in doing right in order to please God? Is that our faith or is our hope in knowing, Lord, I am fully reliant upon you because I still get it wrong. Thank you, Lord.